Be the best rugby coach you can be. Welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast with head coach Dan Cottrell, where you learn hints and tips from the rugby coaching community. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Coach Weekly Podcast. My name is Dan Cottrell and I'm delighted to have with us for this podcast, Digby Webb. I've known Digby for a couple of years now from coaching courses at Kingswood School in Bath. And uh, he is the athletic development coordinator at the school and played rugby to a very high level in South Africa uh, before taking up a teaching post in the UK. And he tells me that uh, he obviously regrets not playing any more rugby, but the lucky guys who he coaches will have had all that experience. So I'm looking forward to him telling us a little bit about his rugby background and perhaps maybe why South African rugby could influence us more than we expect. That might come across a little bit later on. But I'm particularly interested to speak to him because I know he's a keen student of all things coaching. And I'm first of all interested to for him to tell us a bit about his coaching journey and talk about environments. But first of all, um, I want to say hello to Digby and get him to introduce himself. Hi, Dan. Th- thanks very much for having me on the podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'll just quickly uh, give a very short background. I, I don't have a massive, illustrious playing career, but played um, in South Africa. It was at the University of Cape Town, um, played with quite a few players that have gone into play at top top level internationally as well and some coaches that have, that have gone quite high up as well. Really enjoyed my rugby there. Played, uh, went on an overseas tour to with Western Province Rugby as well. Then got an offer to come over and teach at Kingswood School in Bath and took that opportunity. And from then on, I had to hang the boots up and found coaching. So so that's the playing career transitioning into into teaching and coaching, um, and I'm loving every single second of it. Um, my position at the school means I've got quite a quite a variety of things that I get to do each day, um, which keeps it interesting. So yeah, very very happy to to talk and share some of my my, my journey with you today. So you arrived at the school, and had you been coaching? Before you got to school or when you got to school, were you sort of thrown into the deep end? Uh, my, my coaching sort of took place um, the moment I'd left school. I'd, kept, I'd come to, to Kingswood School originally in 2009 on a gap year. That was my first taste of, of actual coach, sports coaching. Um, when I went back and through my university degrees, um, I, I coached rugby, I coached rowing. Um, I did uh, quite a bit of um, S&C coaching as well. Um, and was really, really interested in it. And because of all that coaching, I was very, very interested in observing and learning from from the coaching and management staff that I encountered in in, in my in my rugby career as well. So it was really a good opportunity to analyze everything they were doing, have discussions with them. Um, and you know, by the time I arrived over here, I had an idea of what I thought coaching was. And it's completely changed. So, <laughs> right. which leads me very neatly onto my first question. In that sense, is take me back to your first session in front of the children. Uh, how old were they, and what were you coaching, and what was it like? Um, would, would this be when I've come to the UK? Yeah, when you've come to the UK. Okay, so 
so I mean, if I go back to the first first sessions I've had, um, immediately for me, it, it was rugby season. So, you know, the big thing would be to adjust to what school rugby is in the UK compared to what it is in South Africa. Um, for those of you who know, and there's probably many people that would listen that, that know about South African schoolboy rugby, it's... Um, it's a very, very serious pastime. And, um, you know, schools are, I wouldn't say built around it, but they are, they're very, very interested in, in their rugby progress. Um, now I'd known that, that Kingswood's very competitive and we, and we, and we do have quite a, a nice fixture block, but, um, I needed to obviously change my mindset and approach, um, to, to you know, to, to cope, cope in this environment. Um, I found the kids really, really enthusiastic, um, really happy to be out of lessons and out in the sports fields. And and they just seem to be really happy playing, whereas maybe, you know, again, it's my opinion of, of what I saw, you know, maybe there's a lot more pressure on the, on the school teams that I coached and worked with back in South Africa. So... That has pros and cons, obviously, and and that was the first thing that came across to me was, you know, in South Africa, all the kids arrive, it's serious faces, there's a lot of frowning, a lot of nodding heads, um, whereas over here, it's a lot more let's play for fun at that stage. <laughs> so you you had coached uh, school children before you'd come to the UK? Yes, I'd, I'd coached r- rugby teams uh, back home, so I'd, I'd with the under-15 Rugby team, I had worked as an assistant or forwards coach and S&C coach with uh, Weinberg Boys High School first team um, in Cape Town on a, on, I'd like to say, arguably the most competitive schoolboy circuit in the world, uh, <laughs> where week in, week out, there's not one easy fixture. And, and the boys in that year did very, very well. I mean, I, had, I got to work with a, a really top head coach who who had been with these boys all the way through their senior school journey. And, um, you know, I came in the last two years and, and learned a lot from him as well. So, so I do have quite a good idea of, of what it was like, um, you know, back home coaching schoolboy rugby. So uh, from that particular coach, what were the things that you took away that you were able to then implement, say, in the UK? So if if I take, I mean, he was he was a big influencer, as were my my um, university coaches in in the way in which they had relationships with the with the players. Um, that was the big change for me. Was there was this common respect between coach and player, um, and it was both ways. And you know, then none of them ever had to shout at a player. They never had to threaten a player. It was. It was just a very different approach, um, and just one that I thought was 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 really interesting in the beginning. And um, you know, after observing it and, and seeing it in action, I just I just thought that it, that must be the way to go. So you know, immediately for me, the thing that I you know would would base a lot of my coaching on is is developing strong and healthy relationships with the players. Um, and I feel that working together is much better than you know, any kind of top-down uh, sort of coaching style. So, and especially with kids, um, you know, working with them now, if you don't have their interest, if you don't work with them, you're going to be fighting an uphill battle. Now, 
if a coach is joining a side for the very first time, this coach that you're working with had been working with them for a while and obviously had some reputation to go with his uh, implied authority, if you like. Now, if I'm arriving or any coach is arriving with a new team, what sort of things are they should they do to start building up what seems like a very powerful relationship uh, where you can you don't have to shout, you don't have to threaten, you can work with them. What are the key aspects? Um, I, again, that's, that's it's something that's very, I mean, again, all this is my opinion, but um, it's something very difficult and challenging to do um, from the outset, not knowing a team, not knowing players. Um, you know, to develop proper trust and relationships, that's going to take time regardless of who you are. Key key things that I've found or, or observed as well um, was was there was a, a very high level of honesty, um, trust, like I said. So the right. Sorry, can I just uh, pick you up then on that honesty? Yes. What do you uh, understand by that term in a rugby situation? Give me and give me some examples of players and or coaches being honest. Um, so let's. I'm trying to think of a scenario. Let's say, let's say someone's had a bad performance. And in a rugby game, competitive game, and what I found about you know these coaches, the coaches that I that I, that I respect, they would have a, an honest conversation where they wouldn't hide the fact that everything didn't go right, but they would do it in a way that would show that they cared, that they were there to support them, and together, if the player bought in, they could rectify those those areas. Um, and and then work together, you know, to to improve them. I just think a lot of a lot of coaches don't want to crush the kid. They don't want to crush kids, you know, hope and, and, and ambition, and and so they will just avoid having those difficult conversations. And some kids, I've, I I think, take that take that quite well. They like it straight up. Um, and others, you have to sort of massage it in with a plan with something that's shared that you can both do together. And I think if you both, if you show that you're willing to help them and work with them and you do this all in, in, a, in, a, in an appropriate way, that will gain some respect. And if you're doing this to two or three key players, that then starts to, to have a, an impact on a, on a bigger group. Okay, so I like the idea of uh, working with a couple of players and that sort of feeds through with uh, to the rest of the group. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot here and uh, I've, I'm playing in a cup final. Perhaps it's the um, Champions Cup final, uh, maybe playing for Racing 92. With uh, about a minute to go, I get the ball and rather than kick it into touch, I decide to run it out and I run into uh, touch and the opposition get a 22 from that uh, for, uh, line out. And from that line out, they eventually score a penalty. So I've made that mistake as a winger. Yes. After the game, what is the honest, positive and moving forward conversation you're going to have with me? <laughs> that, that's, the, that's the reason I enjoy working with schoolboys. Um, <laughs> I think... I think there's a it's a lot different approach at um, at school level than what you would have at that level. If that was the situation and I was facing it, and and again, all my opinion here, I would I would would not dream of confronting it in the moment because I think immediately the player is going to realise what's happening, uh, what he's what he's done, 
um, especially at that level, they are very good. They're very reflective. They've known immediately. I would definitely have a conversation at a later date um, in sort of a review se- review session, looking at or asking really, you know, what we what were you thinking when you were doing that from a point of view of like, what did you see that that maybe I'm not seeing? Um, and and yeah, I, like I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hit it home continuously because you know what, that's a it's a mistake. Um, I've I certainly made lots. I make lots of mistakes. <laughs> um, I just think it, you know, at a school level, and and that's why I say about the South African schoolboy system, it is crowds of five thousand, eight thousand, ten thousand, and 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 if you make a mistake like that. My big question is what what is a coach doing to pick up a, a, a kid that's made a mistake? Are they in front of a crowd of ten thousand in a massive derby game that's televised nationally? Um, you know, you definitely can't go and tell a kid off. You know, in in front of a crowd that size for the same sort of mistake. Um, so again, it's 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 different in in our school context. But um, again, I wouldn't do it heat of the moment. Right. So we've got the idea, don't do it in the heat of the moment, and it is obviously very dependent on the level you're at. So we're taking, say, a group of uh, boys who are quite good, maybe an under-15A team or uh, with some aspiring players. Now, within that aspiring group, you've got your very good players and you've got your players who are happy to come along, make up the numbers, but they're not, they're not seeking glory in rugby. Now, if one of those players, those maybe slightly weaker players makes a mistake. Is it up to you to be correcting the mistake or should you see it as, well, I'm just glad that they're here and enjoying it? How do you approach those, those sorts of players? That's a, that's a good scenario. Um, a very relevant one. It's, um, again, it, it's going to depend on the person. I mean, some, some, some kids, and that's why, again, the relationship thing is so important to me, or I feel yeah, to me, because if you get to know the, 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 the kids that you're working with, you'll know how they might respond. Some are really, really harsh on themselves, even the ones that aren't taking it that seriously. So if I go over and I say, well, why don't you try and follow through or point or you know finish your pass? Um, they might just be looking at the ground saying, oh, I know, I know, I made a mistake. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, whereas, you know, a, a, another kid, I, I, I might not even, I might choose not to go over and say something in the moment because... I don't think that that mistake was worthy of stopping the momentum, stopping the enjoyment. Um, and actually what's been really good, I do take an under 15, 18 at the school is I've challenged the players to, to challenge me. So if I have broken the momentum of a session by picking on one small thing, the nice part is having the players or one or two of them at the right time come up and say, well, I, I don't, I don't, I didn't enjoy it when you did that. Or so and so is probably not that happy with you right now. Can you have a word with them? Um, and and that really does help. And I don't see it as a as as a way of you know telling on people. It's just a way of trying to help. You know, the kids will hear things that a coach could never hear. But if the coach is clearly upsetting a player or making them lose interest, the kids are for me you know a very very good um, test of of if they're enjoying their rugby, is the coaching effective? Is it um, enjoyable? Now, I'm of a very old school of teaching um, where we were told that don't smile until Christmas. (laughs) 
because otherwise it's very hard to draw back and be lighter if you've been light from the start and they start mucking around. So if I go in as a coach and I'm very open and say, do tell me where I'm going wrong and uh, I'll listen, won't you find that some of the players won't respect you because they they think you're being too soft? How, how do you get that balance right? Yeah, I, 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 have, I didn't try this right in the beginning. This has only come about having worked with this group for a year, two, two years almost. Um, in in multi you know in in strength and conditioning at the school in their PE lessons um, and then obviously in all the rugby stuff so so through that I've gotten to know them and now I feel that in this past year I've been comfortable enough with the group to to ask them for their feedback and they won't do it when you ask them in a huddle with everybody around them they'll do it quietly you know at a at a lunchtime or in passing or at the end of a session because there's still some kind of stigma about saying things that, that aren't all positive. And I feel like they think that it's not their place to give feedback when, when I'm begging them and I'm giving them surveys to tell me, you know, halfway through the season, where, where can we improve as a team? What, what do you enjoy? What do you not enjoy? What would you like to do? And then we can sort of, you know, work together on that. Um, I just, I just find that I wouldn't have tried that initially. I definitely wouldn't have. But for me, it's the best feedback I can get. I can analyze a game and I can see. I think we're doing this. I think we need to do more of that. But to know how they're responding to it and what they're having in their discussions, that that's just really, really invaluable information. Now, not all of um, the coaches listening will have the. The luxury you might not think is a luxury of spending all this time with these players mm-hmm. and if that is the case that you may see your players uh, once at a match and once during training the suggestion here really is you've got to create some time away from training where you can do these sorts of um, changes and discuss with them so uh, I think we're going to have to help each other find solutions for those sorts of coaches. How can we get into positions where we can have those quiet words with those players because we won't see them, we won't have the opportunity to see them at school? Can you think of ways that we can help coaches who will not be spending that much time with the players create those environments where you can have a quiet word or they can be critical without anyone listening? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very fortunate and um, with, with, with seeing the kids all the time. I think the way I, off the top of my head I'd, I'd probably try and go about it is, is, is trying to make, make memories, bond a team. I know that, that's, that's something that's quite old school that clubs do and, and, and I think it's really, really important. My, my university club was big on that or their off-field stuff. Um, um Dobbo, the the head coach of um, Western Province at the moment, assists with the Stormers. He was there at the time, and he placed a big emphasis on things outside of rugby, building relationships through that, building trust through that. Whether that be paintball shooting or you know a little competition here or there on the weekend, temp and bowling, create some memories. Um, and you know, in those social settings, the kids will see, oh, you're not just someone who's instructing me, telling me to do this and that they'll feel like a tight-knit group. And I just think through something like that, you will, you'll, 
you'll show a different side that the kids will be like, well, actually, you know, I, we can we can share some things, and you might even get some players feeling comfortable enough to have difficult conversations with each other, um, because they're also having a lot of fun and they and they and they're sort of friends. Whereas, you know, the coaches in the scenario you've you've described will struggle struggle to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Right. Okay, okay. Well, I'm, now I'm, I'm that? thinking from what you've said and making memories. Uh, now, again, take yourselves away from the school environment and it's a week-in, week-out club environment, so you've got your one session and your game. Do you think there's a case to say, right, no training this week, we'll meet at the bowling alley and we're going to go bowling instead of training? Or this week, um, no game, no game this week. Instead, we're going to go and we're going to go and visit somewhere completely different, not play rugby. I, that there, it seems to be, uh, to be a little bit out there. Mm. Yet, from what you're saying, could that be a powerful way of developing a stronger team than spending another day uh, learning how to tackle and pass and scrummage more effectively? I would love to play in a team that did that from time to time, out of the blue. And and I can remember almost every single situation that that happened where we got a surprise at our practice and we had a magician come and do tricks and we did all (laughs) these cool, odd things. Um. And I tell you that those kind of memories are, are the things I look back on. I don't look back on and say, oh, God, if only we'd done more line outs. Uh, <laughs> or, or, you know, only I'd seen our, our kicker kicking for poles by himself after practice. Those are the fun things. And I think at age group level, at club level, you know, I hear these the kids that, you know, in the school, they're playing clubs. Their coaches are mega passionate rugby people. Um, and maybe it's a little bit hard, you know, on, on them to say, well, let's not do rugby today. Let's go and do something like this. But I think that there's huge value in that at, at, at their level. Gets them away from their phones and gets some healthy relationship building and, and making some memories. And I think long term, that's going to be very, very good for them as a team, as a club. Um, and you know what? I, I think that that's that's something that um, would keep the kids playing club rugby, would would keep them away from all the other, you know, things that are out there that, that, that might be stealing their time away from rugby. Now, that sort of leads me on to the idea of rugby culture and something which you've, uh, you've touched on yourself when we've been uh, kicking up some ideas around before this podcast is – uh, we often talk about culture and there's been a lot of talk in, in the news with uh, winning teams and the sort of cultures they've got. What do you understand by that in, a, in an under-15s team context? Um, yeah, I mean, a very quick quick talk about that was, um, I mean, we, we, we've all read Legacy. We've all you know, heard culture thrown around in the media. Um, I just quickly just remind uh, those who don't know what legacy is? Oh, uh, so legacy, the story of the All Blacks success, the the greatest, you know, most successful rugby team, you know, or, yeah, team of all time. And and the sort of principles that they live by um, and operate by. Yeah, that's uh, the book is uh, James Kerr's Legacy, 15 Lessons in Leadership, for those who want to look that up. Yes, carry on, Digby. Yeah, yeah so so in, in a school context, like I said, I've, I've been very fortunate to work with this group in a number of different areas um, and, and running things like leadership workshops and small sports performance group discussions. And, and through that, 
just um, looking to develop the people. Um, and, and by doing that, you sort of have, you're not influenced, but you've sort of got them to decide on what they want as a, as, as a, in environment, what, what makes them happy, what their group likes. So for example, my under 15 group that, you know, this year, their big thing was they're all friends. There's no one in the team that isn't like really, really good mates with each other. They aren't the biggest, you know, they aren't the biggest. They aren't probably the most skillful. I mean, they're still very young, but they are all really, really good friends. They love playing rugby. They really do. They want to play it all, all year round. Um, and so what we've done is we've, we've held on to those, those two things. And we've said, well, what are we going to tolerate? Are we we're going to look to have just good people in this team? So we can't have people that are going to come in and, you know, bully or, or, or really be slack at practices and the fact that they just don't want to be there. And they've been very, very good at that. So they'll pick out and say, well, this person won't, won't really fit into this group. Or we've tried to help this person like see, see what we, what we're all about and, and it is working or it isn't working. I just think that it's really, really important because you don't, you can't force the kids into sport. You can't force them into, into the rugby if they are taking a little bit more ownership. Um, and that's sort of where I've been talking to, um, to Ed and Kevin from Seaford School, who, um, who we, you know, we had that discussion initially on Twitter around self-determination theory. Um, and, and that just quickly being, you know, developing three basic needs in humans, which are competence, autonomy, and relatedness. Um, and so that's something that our groups really focused or we focused on is improving perceptions of competence. I give them a lot of autonomy. And at 15, maybe I've given them too much, but that's sort of a balancing act. And then the relatedness is the importance of relationships with, with each other. Like I said, them all being friends, that's almost a box ticked. And then our relationship between coach and player is 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 quite important to that. So through the culture, you've got them enjoying training, you've got them being intrinsically motivated to learn in a season where they they I, I don't even know what their win percentage was, but it wasn't it wasn't an unbeaten season, I can tell you that much. Mm-hmm. Um but they came to practice. They wanted to learn. They compete really, really hard at practice. You know, today we went up for a rugby, touch rugby session and someone brought out an NFL ball and it's a lovely day. And so we played touch NFL and we had people teaching each other NFL. And it, it was just, it was just really good. And, and it's transferred to other areas. So within S&C, within the athletics training we do, um, You've just got peers coaching each other, supporting each other, caring for each other. It's a really, really like happy sort of micro environment. And and it's just something that, you know, I'm, I'm very, very interested in. All the credit goes to them, really. But um, I just see that's something that I, I want to put a big emphasis in in my coaching as I, as I continue to grow and develop. Well, you nearly, nearly used the word journey there. <laughs> and uh, we were talking earlier about journeys, and uh, often it's said that uh, good coaches really enjoy the journey. And I read today uh, that actually we should see it as a trip because a trip's far more exciting than a journey because it sounds like we're going somewhere exciting. And actually, we're going somewhere exciting probably because we are joined with people we want to be with. Mm-hmm. And it sounds to me that 
you're really enjoying the company of those players. Yeah. And if you're enjoying the company of those players, that must naturally mean that you're growing as a group together and you are enjoying each other's company. I mean, they're going to be hard times mm. and you probably have had moments where you've had to rein them in. Uh, I mean, does that happen or are they just perfect all the time? Oh, I wish it would. <laughs> no, we, we, we have those, those moments where you have to rein it in all moments where I think, well, everything's clicked and then, and then it hasn't. And, um, and you think players have just made these really good decisions and then something happens and, it is. It's a roller coaster. But at the end of the day, like if you're with the people that you enjoy and you and and you learning as much as they learning, and I know that sounds really you know cliched and and all of that, but by them challenging me in the right manner, um, I I get to learn a lot and I get to do you know a lot of reflection on 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 what they feed back to me as well. But there's definitely down uh, ups and downs, but by far majority of the time is is, is all up. Ah, well, it sounds fantastic, and it sounds like the the group's really benefited from your input and your experience, as well as, of course, uh, them being able to respond as well. Well, Digby, I mean, I know we could yeah, no, I just, crack I just on, on lots and that. lots of different topics. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to summarize a couple of the, the things which really jumped out at me. Um, honesty and having those honest conversations and uh, picking the moment, mm. and that obviously depends on the players. Uh, I really like the idea of making memories mm. and I'm sure that lots of people are rushing towards uh, what we used to call in the old days, the yellow pages, but on the internet to find the local magician to suddenly appear at the club and do a, do a session instead of them having to do lineups. <laughs> um, also the idea of the cool and odd things, which is part of the memories mm, mm. Um, and to sort of find the best times to speak to them. And that is not often in the huddle. They're not going to say what they really think when they're in a group. Mm. Uh, you've got to find those moments. So, uh, I mean, is there anything to, you'd add to that? Um, yeah, I mean, it, you you can almost, they would almost start coming to you with stuff. You wouldn't have to go and ask them, which I think is the, the level I, you know, we've, we're starting to reach a little bit now. But um no, I mean that that's that's basically the gist of it. The the nice thing is just seeing it with the small microgroup. Obviously I work with lots of other people, so I'm really interested to see can that transfer across to other groups? Will it be different? You know, what would the benefits of that be? But already having this group working with my under thirteen group that I work with and some um under fourteens as well, and seeing just the cross year group mix has been fantastic and, and seeing them coaching, becoming coaches as well, because I mean, I know Rusty always says, you know, you want to have little mini coaches on the field um, and, and just seeing them coaching and, and, you know, teaching them the values that their team has. And it's just that that's it's really worth it. It is worth, you know, the downs. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't sound as, as if you have as many downs as uh, some coaches, but I'm sure that's their own making. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed that uh, chat and we went off in lots of different directions, which was fantastic. Uh, just a bit of admin. Uh, this is podcast is released fortnightly on a Wednesday. So uh, please head over to the blog tab on rugbycoachweekly.net to catch up on any episodes you've missed. Um, I'm looking forward to getting Digby back on again soon and with perhaps with Kevin Rich and Ed Bowden as well, who I know he's done some good work and interesting work with. Uh, so 
Thank you all for listening. And thank you very much, Digby, for your very honest and um, exciting ideas around creating the environment. Lots of things for us to take away, especially uh, booking a magician, which I think is going to be happening very soon for one of my sessions. But don't tell anyone because it's going to be a surprise. So thanks again, Digby. Thanks very much, Dan. Thanks for having me. I look forward to listening to this in 10 years and seeing how much everything's changed. <laughs> <laughs> you might you might have gone back to, I'm just going to shout at everybody oh, and threaten yeah, everybody. Have, have, have me on in 10 years' time and I'll let you know. <laughs> All right, brilliant. Thanks so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye-bye. Now, we obviously can move and talk about many other subjects, but Sharif, that's been brilliant. Really enjoyed uh, your insights. Um, just for those people listening in, these podcasts are released fortnightly on a Wednesday. So please head over to the blog tab on the Rugby Coach Weekly Net website to catch up on any episodes you've missed. And as Sharif has said, um, please follow him on twitter i shall put the handles underneath or go over to the website which is rugbyscientists.com so thank you very much everyone for listening and thanks again sharif for your fantastic and detailed insight thanks dan thanks for having me yeah well i've really enjoyed it and uh, i'm looking forward to speaking to you again on some of the 
further details and ideas behind this. So thank you everyone for listening and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. <laughs>